good evening, everybody. Happy to have you here. A pleasure, in fact. A pleasure to have you. It is a new week. A brand new week on Quite Frankly. Brand new week no matter who you are and what you do. Because it's Monday. And it's the last couple of days, last couple of hours of January. As I said this morning, it's the month that usually takes forever to end. But it came went by so quick. It's just a new world. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, we have three main topics tonight. And I can't wait to get the, get around with them to you, because uh, ground to them with you, because I would like to take some calls sprinkled in throughout um, January the 30th, 2022. And I want to give a big greetings to all of our friends who are watching on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole, Pill.net. Hello to everybody on YouTube. I don't know how many YouTube streams there are. There's probably two, three duplicates. I've been telling I've been telling YouTube um, uh, uh, creator services and all that the problem that we've got an open thread on that. They're looking into it. I don't know why it keeps duplicating. Neither do they, do they at this point. So we'll figure it out at some point. Uh, even the Sunday stream for sponsors that I did yesterday, we were able to go live just fine, and then afterwards. It just kept uploading and processing forever. So anybody that came to watch it afterwards in on-demand land, it said that the user had deleted. There's a lot of weird things going on with YouTube right now, and I don't know what it is. But hello, if you're watching there, give it a thumbs up on any stream, though one of them will be deleted. And hello to Rumble, and on Twitch, and on DLive, and Theta, and Rockfin, and beyond. And not to mention all of our early morning warriors who are tuned in to WHYUFM. 89.1 in the West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Maryland area, wherever it was. It's all it's in that little pocket, tri-state area over there. So hello to everybody. Monday, what are we doing on a Monday? Well, we have to kick through a bunch of stuff from the weekend. The three main, main topics, as I said, though, we are going to do a roundup on the predictable race war narrative management concerning and otherwise, as I said in the in the description of this video, and otherwise universally condemned act of brutality. That's that's what I think is uh, should be the easy thing, but that's not what we've been set up for. That's not how um, how it's going to be conducted. Not in this country. Not until they get the the Rwanda like scenario that they're building toward. And then I want to talk about the odds of a Ukrainian victory, whether or not those odds improved at all. I have a wonderfully time-stamped, wonderful interview, but time-stamped. It's 19 minutes long, but I have a couple of different timestamps between um, Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor, who I guess was on Michael Savage's podcast recently. I had not seen that. Then again, I haven't listened to a lot of podcasts recently. I've been really bogged down with other stuff, and I missed this one. So maybe I'll go back and listen to the whole thing. But I've got more than enough good stuff to play for you on that tonight. That'll be in the second half. And then uh, lastly, which is a little bit of a throwaway topic to get some interest generated and people calling in and leaving an opinion, leaving a super chat wherever you'd like, is should Donald Trump return to Twitter quick if he is actually serious and seriously committed 
to the fight in 2024, which I have to imagine he is, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So uh, just you and me tonight, folks. I love those types of nights, and I'm, uh, I hope that we, we can coast through this one with little fanfare and little pro- too many, too little problems would be a great thing. We had too few problems tonight. I want that. Thank you, Blue Monster Prep, for all of your years of of uh, sponsorship now. I think we're in, in two-year-plus land. But uh, go and check them out. Please keep prepping. Keep prepping. If you think you have enough food for everybody in the house for four months, make sure you have enough food for five months for everybody and a guest because you know you're going to have a few guests. People that you, uh, you, you, you're going to be fighting back saying, I told you so. Go and check out all the radio equipment, water filtration, anything else that you got going on, you got lack, you are lacking in your cupboards, in your medicine chest, all of that. Go and redo all of your priority lists on BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for all of your shipping to be taken right off the top. And as you know, all orders over $100, everybody receives special gifts. That's fire starters, uh, 24, I think it's... um, I think it's like four, they give you a free four serving entree dinners, the 25-year shelf life emergency food. So they're giving away some free food right now. It's, um, it's a really great thing. Check them out, Blue Monster Prep. All right. All right. So where are we going? We're going into the grab bag. All right, first thing is up is this. We've got a little bit of a study finds on our hands. And I want to talk to you about it because I think it's um, it's something everybody can get behind and has had a little bit of problems with in the past, maybe. Not me in a big way, but every once in a while I just don't want to do it. And that's get on the damn phone. Study finds people calling on phone, you know, people calling on phones to other people, giving people a phone call, sparks anxiety in many today, many more, I guess, than before. But research shows that it can boost mental health. Yes. And and for all of the common sense reasons why I would think that this does. First of all, let's read a little bit more. Some people might remember the days of coming back from school eager to call a friend, sometimes sitting for hours talking about anything and everything. However, today most young people rarely call each other. The very idea of calling someone or receiving a call seems to cause anxiety in many. Yeah, well now the anxiety is if I'm on the phone with somebody, then I'm not going to be able to do the other eight things that I was doing on my phone at the same time. But now you can minimize calls and continue to text with eight other people and not pay. The whole point is paying attention to somebody one person at a time used to be a really, really great thing. Now, even when you called up your friends, there was always a few period, uh, there's a, a small period of time in that friendship where you still were nervous to call their house because asking their parents to get them on the phone was always a little nerve wracking. Your voice goes five octaves higher. Hi, Mr. No, no, you know, I talk to, uh. you know, you, 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 cold sweat just talking to a friend's parents for five seconds. They say, I'm sorry, they're not in right now. Can I take a message? Oh, no, it's okay. I'll call back later. <laughs> it, that was, oh, those were the days. Those were the days. They really were. 
Uh, when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone in 1876, that's debatable. It's doubtful that he imagined how its usage would change over time. What started out as a wired medium for a voice conversation is now wireless and mobile, used to transmit written messages, photographs, and access the internet. So meaningful phone calls, arguably, it's the quality, not quantity of the phone call which is important, and those which support meaningful relationships with significant others and friends can improve well-being. Now, this is stupid, again, I, there, if there was money spent on a uh, on a on a, cert, uh, a study like this, it's money I could have done a lot better things with. Please send it to me next time you're going to do that, because it's not even the matter of the the modality of the telephone. It's just interpersonal communication, and that is what's lacking so so much right now. You know, the telephone call. It's a small example of how social skills are built, but so is you know. I mean, I then I guess the next step is looking somebody in the eye and talking to them about whatever. And also about how therapeutic it is, of course, as they're getting to right now, how therapeutic it is to actually interact with other human beings, to converse with a human voice, to hear inflection, to hear a person laugh, to hear a person just feel any kind of emotion and to exchange that emotion with each other, to have to listen to someone speak. It's a great exercise, too, in just sitting listening to somebody speak or walking around the house with it wedged up against your, your your shoulder and doing whatever but you're still having a conversation you're listening to what they have to say that you are considering what they're saying you're internalizing what they're saying and then you go to formulate a response it's a great practice so yeah well-being and um mental health i think it, it'll help just mental function cognitive function to have that kind of a thing go on you know, most of the time we're, we're, we're texting back and forth with 12 people and uh, everybody's just sending each other emojis, like it's just hieroglyphics. And that is like the digital version of speaking in well, like grunting cavemen. And that what goes on right now. And of course, the less we do it, the more anxiety inducing all this stuff is, especially picking up a phone call. I mean... During COVID, the lockdowns, she said, during the lockdowns, that was when we had the emergence of, of contactless services, contactless delivery, contactless everything, and the real rise of things like Uber. The Uber addiction that people have, that really got kicked into high gear. Many people found Uber for the first time because they didn't, you know, they want to go out, they want things brought to them, and it, and it, uh, it promised a contactless exchange of goods from wherever you're getting it, a restaurant or a grocery store to you. Now, of course, it's ridiculous to say it's contactless and that there's not a way that anybody passing things along to you wasn't carrying some kind of a contagion, which is why, you know, everybody for at least the spring of 2020 was wiping down every last banana in the bunch with like 409 bleach but anyway the contactless uber addiction everyone has since has uh, since developed has made uh, the occasional phone call to even like a, a, a restaurant unnecessary so i know some people who text friends to have them call a pizzeria to put in a call for, for an order for delivery i know that the the uh the nerves have gotten that high strung. 
So can see this being a big mental health issue. Just pick up a phone call. Pick up the phone. Call call me. Yeah, here I am every night. I'm getting calls from strangers every night. You have nothing to be worried about. Nobody knows anything but your voice. You don't even have to give us your real name. Of course, I have your phone number. I have your phone number. That's always that's always a a, little, a good thing. I have a little, I have some collateral, and you just, <laughs> you just call in and whatever. All right, but now I have to talk about this since we're talking about mental health. I don't know if you saw this. In Finland, I believe, I think it's a Finnish, transgender figure skater makes history and then slips on the ice. Now, I'm going to play this for you. It's 44 seconds long. It's a 50-something-year-old man in ice skates, dressed like a woman, uh, who it goes out, is but can barely stand on the ice, and is, I guess, got television time, and there's an arena full of people... Anyway, we'll read a little bit more about this. Take a look at this scene overseas recently. Ain ajatuksen lähteä toteuttamaan lapsuuden haaveita ja alkaa luistella naismuodossa. Vaikka syntyperäisin olen. On one leg, wow. Ja tuota, sieltä on niin kuin yhdeksän vuotta aikaa, eli siihen yhdeksän vuoteen sisältyy aika paljon. Eli kun lähdetään ihan nollasta, niin... Now here comes a spin. Just a big turn, turn, good. And then... And then we're down. Down on the knees. And now cannot get back up to his feet. And then a uh, and then a girl that's there comes by and helps him up. And then he takes the flag and becomes a national hero. I just don't even know what to say. But uh, Newsweek and MSN knows what to say. And we're going to get into it right now. Here is the headline from Newsweek. Transfigure skater makes history, then slips on ice. History has been made at the European Figure Skating Championship. That was history, ladies and gentlemen. What you just saw, that person coming out onto the ice, can barely stand on the blades, fell to the, her knees, their knees, and um, and then could not get back up. Uh, Aurora makes history every morning in the living room then, spinning around getting herself dizzy, falling down, laughing about it, but at least she can get herself up. Anyway, because I really, really want to get down to how sick this is, they continue over there in Newsweek. Speaking to reporters ahead of the opening ceremony, 59-year-old Mina Maria Antikinian said it was a childhood dream to represent her country on the ice. After a few seconds... Antikinian Kaninian slipped during the performance and was unable to get back onto her feet with one of her Finland teammates coming to the rescue and lending a helping hand. Oh, that's what we saw. The unprecedented scenes during the flag presentation part of the ceremony were captured on video and have since gone viral, being viewed more than 7 million times. Why do you think? Why do you think? Now, they said that this particular ceremony was they wanted to be able to present skaters at various levels of, uh, of, from non-professional to top athletes. This obviously is well below non-professional. Could not even stand. 
Um, here's where we have some more of Newsweek giving us their hot takes. Antikinian, I don't know how I'm saying it, has been an adult figure skater and ballet dancer since 2014 and practices both disciplines six times a week. He was doing this six times. First of all, do you have a job? Six times a week, you're doing ballet and figure skating. Who's paying for this? Probably social services, no doubt. Um, and, and that's probably because uh, most of their military is subsidized by American capitalism. And then you have this result? 2014? Since 2014, six times a week with figure skating and ballet. And, my God. There was some support for the skater with one person tweeting, Stunning and brave, that's all I have to say. The person was trolling you, Newsweek. That's, they're trolling you. Now, I, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is um, because I saw other places describe this as a scene that was served, that was serving people with an opportunity to, to almost like take in this, this scene of a, a, a beacon of light, a beacon of hope during such trying times for us all as a as a world still licking our wounds from a pandemic that's the kind of way that this was built up and uh, and i just want to say no definitively it is not who the hell wants to be reminded of our continued downfall by being made to watch a suffering man in a costume who can barely even maintain his balance on the ice humiliate himself it's not fun i i i didn't la- i didn't laugh when i saw it just kind of shook my head because you know there's there's more that goes into this too when i was thinking about the 1990s watching snl in the 1990s and you watch chris farley pretend to be a, a dancer for chippendale with uh with patrick swayze that was funny that was funny and dare i say uplifting when you can see a comedic actor t- taking themselves unseriously not in a serious manner, and to create a memorable moment for everybody. And that's not to say that anybody, man or woman, 59 years old, who wants to ice skate should not go out there, strap some, uh, some, some training blades on, and start getting their bearings. But this display, this broadcast, serves a very obvious purpose, as you all know. Okay? But the fact that people... Because the fact, I should say, that people were made to watch this man hobble around in an ice rink and have it be implied that the audience should receive this as courageous and historic, that is just fucked up. Fucked up. Okay? There are people who complain, and they're mostly on the left, Mostly on the left, who complain about how the how the how uh, inhumane the nature of vaudevillian traveling circuses used to be back in the 19 teens and the 1920s, okay? But here they are bringing them back. They are bringing them back. They brought back the sideshow. Only we are now being told that we are paying to watch superhumans, new a new evolution, instead of cripples. Back then, they would take crippled people, people with with extra appendages, people who were too small, who were uh, you know really small or gigantism or whatever the hell it was, and they created circus sideshows, 
and people went there and paid a nickel and they and they knew that they were going to see something probably unsightly but it was the only way that these these poor people could actually monetize anything in their lives by becoming you know a a, a spectator uh, you know something uh, something of a spectacle you think about that you say okay that that was pretty messed up um, but the people who are most against circuses and zoos and all that stuff have have given us this world now and we are called bigots for wanting the insanity to stop at least in such a publicly demeaning way Barbara Lerner probably loves this she's probably laughing her sick ass off this is just messed up so there you go patting themselves on the back all right, it's time to get this one started off. Please help me get the show out to everybody. I put the, uh, the links across all of, quite frankly, socials, and it would be a wonderful help if you'd sponsor me through social media tonight and give it a like, give it a share, give it some comments, just interact with the content. It'll tickle that algorithm pink, and we'll be on our way to 100K, at least on YouTube. Everywhere else, let's just keep growing the way that we know how. Consistency, my friends, consistency. We'll be right back. Everybody else shit, fuck. and stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! kicking it off officially now why do you do the pre-shows frank why don't they just be part of the whole show because i like doing some stuff that's not really attached to the main subject of the show in a 15 minute window or so to give people some time to sit down find their seats and not miss anything of the uh of the main course the entree the meat and potatoes don't want to do that but um, give this episode a thumbs up, ladies and gentlemen. Share it, share it, get it on out there. And I, I thank you so much for being here tonight. So where do we start? Here's the first thing I want to bring up, and this is the Donald Trump question. I'm going to leave this with you because I want some, uh, some of you or many of you to come up with some answers for me, whether they be in Super Chats or in those windows of time that we open up the lines and we take some calls. Donald Trump was in... 
New Hampshire over the weekend. Here's a couple of clips. We have a president whose son's laptop from hell gets taken over and exposes massive corruption like nobody's ever seen before. You think the father, do you ever hear this? Do you think the father was upset? Uh, Dad, I left my laptop in a repair shop. I forgot to pick it up and this repair guy went a little crazy when he saw what was on it. What's on it, son? Every crime that you've ever committed. <laughs> <laughs> You know, at what point does the father get angry? You know, like, this kid is not working out well for me. <laughs> and then the FBI goes and convinces the media that it's Russian disinformation. So this is going on. Um, here's a little bit more. So I had to learn, and I had to learn quick. And uh, This is about him saying that rhinos are, the, are more dangerous in many ways than, than Democrats. Well, yes. So I had to learn, and I had to learn quick, and uh, I've learned over four years. I know the great ones, and I know the not good ones. I know the rhinos that aren't going to get it done, and I know people that are going to really get it done. I had to rely on, in many cases, some rhinos that we didn't even know if they were rhinos or not. But, you know, they're more dangerous in many ways than the Democrats, I tell you. They are actually they're more dangerous. Well, we could have given you a couple of hints as to who the, uh, the rhinos are. But you got to do what you got to do sometimes, I guess. And um, and they really took it to him, no? Anyway, it, this went on. I didn't watch it. I just waited for the highlights to come out, and I saw a few of them there. Uh, he spoke a little about Russia, and I don't want to really parse this stuff up because it's not I, – I will do a lot of Russia later on, and I, I don't have any any time to spare. But my question to you is this. Should Donald Trump start tweeting again? I I mean, I'm on Truth Social. I use it fairly regularly, at least every day to promote the show and to, to post the, the link to the podcast from the night before. And I like to talk to people in the comments as much as I can. It's very hard to spread myself throughout all of the places, but I try so hard. I don't have a team. It's all me. And and he's active, very active on Truth Social, and I understand why he needs to be. It's his product. But should Donald Trump start tweeting again now that he is a declared presidential candidate and has been for some time now? Yes, no, and why for, for, for both? That's what I want to know from you. Because i got to say, um, he's ramping up his public appearances, and he's rightfully ripping the media for not covering his events, little if at all, and he's making it easy for him, for them, to ignore him. I mean, he's been reinstated on Facebook. He's been reinstated on Twitter. I don't know if there is a day where it's just like he comes out guns blazing. He must, because he must know that if you're going to go and run for president, you need to have all of your weapons available for you on the campaign trail. You have to be able to. You have to be able to draw attention to yourself and... That's just what I, I I have to imagine. But what do you guys and gals think? You can send your in send in your thoughts as the show goes on, and we'll get around to those. Gotta gotta think, you know. I understand you don't have to be disloyal to Truth Social. Whatever happens in 2024, whether he he finds a way to overcome what is really stacked up against any American presidential or any other candidate, which is not just your opponent. If it was just uh. The only thing that stood up against you was your opponent. 
uh, and their likability and their ability to campaign. I think that the last, I don't know, 40 years would have been a lot more different in this in this country. Well, for most people, not for people like Reagan or anything like that, who just mopped up. That was a co-opted president. Um, but still, still, you, you don't have to let go of truth. But at least for now, you got to use everything. That's my opinion. All right, now on to Memphis. Because on Friday, uh, Friday night, when when me and Matt were talking about the Pelosi tape and uh, and Project Veritas, we also mentioned that at some point, this body cam footage from this Memphis police killing that was slowly festering in the background of the news over the last couple of weeks is now was you know growing out of control, and we were going to get that over the weekend, and it was already out by the time I got home, and um, it was horrible. I only watched maybe 45 seconds of it. I was, there was nothing, nothing I wanted to see more. Uh, I, I mean, you stay on the internet long enough, you see the worst things that humanity can can provide, and it was a horrible, horrible thing. Um, and I also went through a few so, uh, scenarios of what the situation would be based on with the footage. We would either, there would either be a conversation about, okay, uh, was this a some high-tension situation that led to compounding human error and people died and, and it's just, you know, whatever. Snap judgments, that definitely was not the case. Uh, was it anything that had to do with the, uh, the victim's behavior prior to the encounter and it just went sideways for them? That doesn't seem to be the case at all either. And when it comes to crooked cops, well, it was the case of crooked cops, it was so much worse than that so much worse um had nothing to do with the victim acting out and definitely not a high tension situation it was a five-on-one gang massacre and it had and, and it just so happens to be that the animals um in this specific police unit very well actually may have been gang members themselves and carrying out some kind of hits on behalf of local gangs we will see there's some people doing some reporting and prodding on that very issue right now but regardless it was a gang massacre and i want and i like i said i refused to watch the whole thing because it was so terrible seeing a grown man cry for his mother and um as he's being beaten to a pulp and i'm saying to myself now if the victim was somehow able to get one of the officer's guns as he's being destroyed, if the victim was able to get to one of the officer's guns, or if anybody in the area, because this is out in the open, anybody in the area saw this going on and happened to be armed, would it not have been morally right to shoot the offending officers dead? Would it not have been morally, because it would have been morally right in any other situation? If five men or one man or two women are inflicting the kind of torture and slow death that was being given to this this this, this poor guy would those people would the the assailants not need to be put down it doesn't matter what kind of uniform they happen to be wearing at the time they are animals and i think that's the worst part about this that's the worst part about animals these men animals and the people in memphis tennessee 
in, in, uh, they have every right to protest this kind of city-sponsored massacre because uh, it's one thing to have a gang fight out there and people are just, you know, th- there's a gang war and there's people all over the streets and they've been shot and they've been beaten to death and all that other stuff. It's another thing to have the gang that's going out there and, and committing uh, horrible acts like that being funded by the taxpayer. And I, I mean protest protest that is totally fine and it's a very american and democratic thing to protest something that is being done with your on with your money especially protesting is different from breaking into a gamestop and stealing plates playstations of course which is going on as well in multiple cities so that's that's on the side but that's my objective take on what the hell happened here it was just terrible and um but the objective take, as I said on Friday, that would never matter. It's not going to be worth a brass farthing once we really get into the weeds of this one. Because as far as a subjective hellhole in which you and I live, it doesn't matter what the cause, it doesn't matter what the cause is of this particular situation, the color of the cops, what they are, what the victim did or did not do, because the media has been invested in turning certain parts of this country into South Africa with the, with the racial tension. For so long now, there was always going to be zero chance that we would be allowed to all be unified in our outrage over these scenes that played out before us. There'd be zero chance. There was going to be no unity allowed in this. There was only going to be, there's only one setting and one setting only, and that is war when it comes to the media and the people who work alongside them to, you know, produce the ops that they're always running on us. And I would also remind yourself, remind you all, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it in a while, because it's been about a year or so since I played it, go out there and, and listen to the testimony of people like Leonard Pat- Patterson He was a former communist. Um, Julia Brown, who worked for the FBI, two black Americans who came out and they were um, very public, and two of many who identified the so-called civil rights movement for the destructive farce that it was, because that's where we are right now. This is what this is all a very slow boil uh, product of. and then you get this other, these other people like Alec, and as far as the media goes, you have little bottom feeders like this Alec Karakzantis, whatever. He's the founder and executive director for Civil Rights Corps, a civil rights lawyer, author of Usual Cruelty. He's taking apart a New York Times article that had the nerve of talking about this Scorpion unit, the unit of police officers that these these thugs were a part of that committed the murder uh that the the unit that was created to be in a little bit more high pressure high violent situations and they were there to patrol high crime areas of the city alec didn't like it was called high crime also didn't like that they said the officers who stopped him the victim who stopped him were part of a group of specialized officers known as the Scorpion Unit, which was created in 2021 to work in neighborhoods where crime and violence have been pervasive. Alec also doesn't like that New York Times said, the charges grew out of an unusually fast-moving state investigation that revealed that the officers, who were part of a specialized unit patrolling high crime areas of the city, 
had used a level of force that was beyond excessive, officials said. He doesn't like that these areas are being characterized as high crime areas. He says calling poor, deliberately segregated neighborhoods bullshit, number one. Deliberately segregated neighborhoods, high crime areas is one of the most disgusting and persistent examples of modern copaganda or copaganda. Copaganda. The New York Times should be ashamed four times over because they described what? Because they described where all the crime is? I mean, we need to discourage people from referencing statistical realities or, or why? Because we may start recognizing a pattern? I wonder if this Alec Caraxantis guy, whoever the hell he is, I wonder if he h- hangs out in these, these high crime areas. I wonder if he hangs out there. I, I wonder if he goes there at night to hang out. I would love to know a little bit more about Alec and his social life, what he does at night. And this, this, this brings me right back to Orwell. Don't you see that the whole aim of Newspeak is to narrow the range of thought? In the end, we shall make thought crime literally impossible because there will be no words in which to express it. That's from 1984. No words left to express it. I mean, after so long of not being able to actually go there, not being able to, because of political correctness, not being able to talk about where problems are and why, eventually people will forget the words even exist. And that's, uh, and that's just a little bit part. And now, I, I got to say, I don't have or have to. I don't feel like at this point I need to give any disclaimers to this audience. But I still pick and choose my words very carefully, though sometimes it may, not, it may not seem so, but sometimes there's no other way to say it, but bluntly. But I pick and choose my words very carefully in the event that there are newbies out there who are watching for the first time and they don't really understand how we do things here. But there are a lot of black Americans who watch this show, who are in the audience, live and otherwise. A lot of Americans of Hispanic uh, uh, descent, uh, gay people who watch this show a lot, even people who consider themselves liberals. And I don't ever, so in those people who watch know, all of you know, that this is not about, this is not about blanketing anybody for anything. This is not about painting with broad strokes. This is about pointing out how they paint with broad strokes, how they paint with broad strokes. So even when we handle subjects that are designed to drive wedges in between us, I know you don't, I know that you know, I don't see people as monolithic hive minds when it comes to skin color, when it comes to ethnic origin or anything else like that. I'm just sorry that these people in the media, especially are the ones insisting to be speaking on your behalf. That's the real problem. Okay. Speaking on your behalf, because they don't really give a shit. It's just all day-to-day business of the death cult that they represent. And now let's go to uh, CNN. Here is the mayor of New York City. One of the dumbest sets of eyes I've seen. There is nothing going on inside this head. And that is... Mayor Eric Adams, and he's talking to Don Lemon. I want you to listen to this. Ready? Let me ask you, the Chief C.J. Davis, when in my interview with her, she said that all the officers being black, it takes race off the table. Do you agree with that? 
Uh, no, no, I don't. Uh, I think that I understand what uh, the chief was saying, and I think she uh, really handled this situation in a very professional way. She moved swiftly. She ensured that those officers were removed from the department. She took all the necessary steps. Uh, but I think uh, race is still on the table. Uh, when a culture of policing historically has treated uh, those from different groups differently, uh, even when the individuals are from that same group, that culture can still exist. And we have to zero in on it, being honest about it, and making sure that we properly train police for the realities of the cities that they are policing in. Okay, well, he's a dumbass. He's a dumbass. Even the chief of police down there uh, in Memphis was able to say, oh, let's, let's be honest here, there's, there's no semblance of a racist motive here. We're just talking about animalistic behavior. That didn't stop Mayor Adams. Big man on campus. That didn't stop Mayor Adams right there. And you know what? They can, the, the more they zero in and the more that they tinker and the more that they invest, the worse it all gets. Stop helping everybody. That's what you should do. Go the fuck away. Stop helping everybody. Take a vacation. Unbelievable. So, just for those of you who are in podcast land... Here's a recap. That was Black Mayor of NYC, Eric Adams, speaking with Black CNN anchor Don Lemon, commenting on the murder of five black, uh, a murder uh, of a black individual in Me- Memphis, Tennessee, by five black police officers in a city with a 65% black population, with the city's government mostly staffed by black people. And a black chief of police, black female chief of police out, out there. But apparently, when you put on a uniform, white supremacy possesses you, like it's the Santa Claus suit from that Tim Allen movie. I, 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 I that's just what's going on. They just couldn't. He couldn't let it go. I mean, the, the chief, even the chief said, no, no, let's let's. Let's not play with that that game right now. They couldn't let it go. Van Jones couldn't let it go. They're absolutely insane. Don Lemon should have asked him, Mr. Mayor, are there any black Americans out there that are strong enough to resist the racist urge to murder another black man once they put on the police uniform? Do you think that they exist? Because it's either no police officer would have acted differently in this situation no black police officer would have acted differently in this uh, situation. Or could it just have been that these five animals in particular are the ones who deserve the blame for what they did? It just could never, it could just never be that simple. The midwits, they, they, they come crawling out of the sewers to try to flex their mental muscle, but they have none. It's atrophied. They have no minds. Something else would be good if these, you, perhaps if the ratio of uh, performance standards to diversity quotas were to at least even out a little bit, that might be good. Because um, how they how they how they approach policing is the same way that they approach education. It all just keeps going bad. It all just keeps going bad, and that's what we have right now. So uh, this is what we are doomed to endure. I'm afraid, which is also why I don't cover these types of stories anymore. There's a 
shooting here, there, I just whatever. Whatever. Maybe one out of every six something will come up. I think that there's a little bit more opportunity to dissertate on a larger topic. Anyway, we'll take a really quick break. Come back. I have something I think that would be really nice to read right here, and we'll take a couple of your calls here in the first half, so don't go anywhere. Just hold on. QFTV. Missy gonna need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after Quite Frankly. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. JLo's new song, Jenny from the Block, all about Lopez roots, about how she's still a neighborhood gal at heart. But folks from that street in New York, the Bronx section, sound more likely to give her a curb job than a blow job or block party. The New York Post, which, sorry about that slip up there. I have no idea how that happened, but it won't happen again. And that's your news and the G Block, as Fox reports this Monday, November the 4th, 2002. So I was reading this thing. I was reading this article on Substack, uh, The Upheaval. It's a really great article. Uh, it came out in in uh, spring of 2021. And I went back to it because it's, it was um, obviously you get to plug in some things that are going on now a year or two later. And it makes a little bit more sense. But it really gave a breakdown of the geopolitical, the ideological, and the technological situation that we're facing right now, where we are moving into a uh, an age that is going to bring about such incredibly um, startling changes that the 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 world is going to be so incredibly different in fifty years from now. And I'd love to maybe we do a, a little bit of a time capsule evening and give our predictions for the next 30 years and beyond. But but they get into this geopolitical, obviously, what's going on there. At that point, they were talking a little bit more about China because the thing with Ukraine had not started. And we see that as a major flashpoint for what they uh, probably fit into their Great Reset agenda. But China's not too far away from all that. Um, and then you have the ideological, you have the technological, we talk a lot about tech, the double-edged blade that is tech, transhumanism, a lot of things. But the ideological, I think we're talking about tonight, because it's the way that all of that is packaged up, it's the way that every story that could be unifying is chosen very deliberately to go the other way, 
and um, and then of course the discourse that we see all around the the internet, even even the more microcosmic levels where they're just small little interactions between people or bots because whether it's people or whether it's bots you're seeing the programming of a person get played out um, in an artificial way and I found that out of the entire article there was one comment that I loved even more and it was regarding the woke cultural revolution that I want to play for you. I wanted to talk to, uh, to you about right now, and then we will take some calls. We'll have more than enough time. The number is 914-595-6953, and you can jump into Discord. Would love to get you in on this before the top of the hour. Here is what D. Fackler said in response to this great article, The Upheaval. Regarding the woke cultural revolution, Average people are at a loss concerning how to address it because the reality of it being fundamentally a spiritual revolution has not settled in yet for the average people. We've been talking about how this is spiritual war for many years now. But for the average person, that is, they have not been able to settle on that, that this is a spiritual revolution. This is not merely a movement to redress some temporal grievances, but rather a radical revolution against Logos itself. That is why there is a religious zeal. It's because it's a religious war masquerading as a political remodel. Take race, for example. Wokesters are not colorblind. That is no revelation. But what is important to understand, get this up on the screen. What is important to understand is that their notion of systemic racial bias is just a cover, concealing and giving respectability to something much darker. The real, but never confessed, indignation is that some, in fact, are more capable, more beautiful, more intelligent, etc. And this is deemed as cosmically unfair. Because the solution must not, be uh, must not be mere improved treatment of the less blessed as in former times, but ultimately annihilation of all differences between us, but not before a punitive and vengeful inversion in which the least capable, beautiful, and intelligent are put on a pedestal. Think about the, uh, the transgender Finnish um, figure skater right there. That's it. The ultimate, ultimately annihilation of all difference and not before a punitive, vengeful inversion in which the least capable, the least beautiful, and the least intelligent are put on a pedestal and the most subjugated um, and the most of all those are subjugated and murdered. It is a rebellion of malcontents and their philosophical sympathizers uh, fomented by the propaganda of Satan exactly as it is in heavenly counterpart the fact is we don't know exactly why some are born black or others white or some short or others tall some brilliant and other others feeble-minded man has traditionally deferred to the wisdom of god on those matters but for those who don't view this life as spiritual preparation for the real life to come this is of course unacceptable and then for the sake of justice reality itself can and must be reshaped according to the wisdom of man rather than the wisdom of god why respect any aspect of reality? Why can't 2 plus 2 equal 5? If the answer of 4 is only correct because the matrix of reality set up by God dictates it to be so. This is what we are dealing with here. As you might have guessed, if reason itself is in play, these people can't be reasoned with. 
I th there, you can try to put it better than that, but you won't. They can't be reasoned with. Um, you know, I, I love reading that the article with the uh, the figure skater. Well, well, you know, diversity is. We uh, the, somebody was writing about it and said it was a showing of how diversity really is our strength. It's not. Diversity is not our strength. It's not our strength. Diversity is great when you go to a buffet, but if you're talking about civilization, you're talking about just a neighborhood inside of a larger state, inside of a larger union, diversity is not your strength. You have to have the most in common you can to be strong. And I'm not talking about you need to have skin color in, in common. You need to have, you know, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about things that hold us together. There are moral principles that used to hold us together that did not it bridged the gap between skin color. But right now, if we're in a place where we cannot even be honest with ourselves anymore about biology without the pitchforks coming out, boy, boy, oh boy, that's not a good sign. And it's going to take a long, long time. You and I aren't going to be alive to see the end of it. We're not going to be around to see the turning the turning point. Uh, we might be able to plant some seeds, and as they say, that that's the mark. That's the mark of people who are who are are really thinking about the right things in life to plant the seeds of the tree that they will not survive to see bloom into a fully matured, you know, entity of its own. We are we we've got to we are in the seed planting. Actually, no, we've got to till the earth still. There's too many dead roots everywhere. We can't even plant anything yet. We we got to remove it all. So I thought that that was just perfect. Uh, a really great breakdown as far as what we're dealing with as a uh, as an ideological war goes. All right, let's take a call. Eight six three. You're on the air. Who's this? This Billy Goat. Who? Billy Goat. Uh, Billy Goat. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. You you're breaking up a little bit. Go right ahead, Billy. Hey, um, I'm just sitting here drinking my PBR down here in Florida at 82 degrees, and I I've I've been watching y'all for a long time and supporting you. Hey, Billy. Billy, are, are you on speakerphone? Yeah. Okay. Please take it. Take yourself off. Thank you. How about that? Does that work? That's that's with speakerphone that off. Better? No, but okay, keep going. So I um, was sitting here watching this tonight. I watch it every night, and I got my family and everybody listening to you as well. Um, for the most part, most nights, and it's just insane how this. I'm 65 years old, but I feel like I'm 40. But it's amazing how much we have been mind uh, gaslighted, if you want to put it that way. That how in the world do people just let this mind control of themselves go on? I mean, I when I grew up, I grew up in a real poor um, area in Florida, um, a prime ridden, and I'm white. And 
I lived with Asians, Hispanic, um, Black, Puerto Rican, everybody. And we all used to be on the same uh, Little League teams, and we all got along. As a matter of fact, the pitcher was black. His dad was a doctor in town. He and I could not walk down the street together without getting ass beaten. So we used to walk through the woods down a railroad track so nobody would see us walk together. And he would throw rocks at my feet and say, dance, crack a dance, crack a night. Next day, it'd be my turn. Dance, nigga, dance, nigga. And it was all fun and games. And the, and the Spanish, we used to play football and baseball, like I said, on the Little League team. Everybody did not take hot air as a insult so them. billy so billy it's let me let, let me ask you because we're still having a lot of hard uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time with your reception where where did you feel that there was a a change that you left that place you left that place of of you know it, it all fun and games and everybody on the same level and and not taking each other too seriously and just concentrating on being friends and and there being no kind of political black clouds hanging over anybody's head, no victim and oppressor nonsense. When do you think that you turned that, you, that everything turned that corner and never went back to the way it was? Um, I'm going to probably say um, I started uh, nursing school in 1983. And... It wasn't too bad back then. And then they got to be like, I graduated in uh, 86, um, 87, and... So the late 80s, early 90s? Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, yep. I think that's when everybody just took a shit. I wonder what it is, man. Well, Billy, I, I th- listen. I thank you. I've I've cobbled together a lot of what you said there through the reception. I thank you for watching as much as you did. I think you mentioned your family watches too. I'm sending my best to all of you down there, and I hope you call in again with a better phone. Um, but you know, I, I'm sure a lot of you out there have have stories like that. I mean, I do. I didn't grow up in a in a poor neighborhood, but I grew up with friends who had all different types of families came from all over the place uh i mean there, there's it's a real melting pot up here in the northeast no doubt about it it was never an issue for us we start you start realizing how much of an issue it has been you start learning about how much of an issue it was and then all of a sudden it starts being made an issue again and it it feels a little like where the hell is this coming from all of a sudden and now, for the last generation and a half, they were born into it. That in their, you know, from a from a, uh, a subjective standpoint, from a personal first person standpoint, it's all they've ever known. You wouldn't be able to sell them on how we all grew up, even just I don't know, two three generations ago. It's incredible. Uh, let's take a call. Seven eight five. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Chuck, Frank. Hey, Chuck, what's going on? Hey, I was just watching, and I was just thinking, you know, uh, you know, last time I called, I talked about surviving, and it was great that that kicked off a whole new tangent on people telling their survival stories. I think it's great. Uh, and tonight we're, we're looking at the false realities and false idolizing of 
things that aren't true. And something that came to epiphany to me you know, a while back was a lot of things started going downhill back in the 90s when we started accepting lies. And, you know, growing up, my whole life, everybody always told me, uh, honesty is the best policy. You know, all liars go to hell. The devil's the father of all lies. Are you familiar with that kind of background? Oh, yeah. Yeah, honesty is the best policy. Now, now uh, you don't don't be honest about anything. It might not be uh, politically correct. Exactly. So we started the political correctness thing, but we also decided that white lies were okay, so we wouldn't hurt people's feelings. And then we allowed Bill Clinton to get away with the lie because it didn't affect his job. What he said, I didn't have sex with that woman. And I think when he said that, he was pointing at Hillary rather than the other one. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? Uh, but, you know, it's just totally gotten worse to where now the corporate liars get on every day and across the board they say the same effing lie about whatever the narrative is. And we're all supposed to just take it as the news. And, uh, you know, so it's changed the culture. And we live within several hundreds of false narratives out there shaping the culture. And we just can't get back to calling a spade a spade. And I just wanted to say you have a great show, you're a great host. I love listening to you talk. And I hope that you have a great rest of the show. And I hope I gave you something to talk about. Oh, well, Chuck, thank you. So, hey, listen, before you leave, real quick, you think Donald Trump should return to Twitter for, for uh, quick for the, uh, the 2024 campaigning? I really don't care if he goes back to Twitter. I think uh, he should put some person on it to retweet his truth, truth, and he just stick with truth and do his own thing because he don't want to have the dignity of them shutting him down again. He, they kiss his ass. Well, I, that, you know what? I, I was waiting for somebody uh, to say something like that because it's really just about syndicating. Uh, you can do a, a whole bunch from your own platform, but you, you have to use every tool available to get whatever you're publishing in one place out. So just have somebody tweet out screenshots. That would be something. Um, it's better than yeah. better than just being isolated and you're supposed to win a presidency, you know. But thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. You bet. All right. That's a great call right there. Good job. Matt from Montana. What's going on, Matt? Frank, how are you, man? I'm go I'm just doing fantastic. I'm glad to be here on a Monday night, kicking off a new week with you. Right on, man. Um, <clears throat> I guess uh, did, I, I was cooking and I wasn't paying attention, but you were talking about Patrick Swayze during the uh, the Finland skater incident. Yes. What were you saying about Swayze? I was I was talking about Chris Farley's Chippendale uh, Chippendale skit on SNL with Patrick Swayze. It wasn't even about Swayze. Okay, Swayze. Can I, can I tell a cool Swayze? Yeah, go ahead. Tell go a cool ahead. Swayze story. Go ahead. Uh, it, it's not directly about him, but anyway, I used to work in this. Okay, so th this might be a good show thread eventually on um, regret. You know. Uh, what 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 have you regretted in your life? Well, um, I used to work for an art gallery in Nashville, and we had this, we had this artist who was a photographer, and we represented her. And um, after a while, we kind of got tired of her because she was she was kind of a pain in the ass. She wasn't she wasn't cool to us. And so we just basically said, "Hey, we're not going to work with you anymore. Come pick up your work." 
so we're going to the gallery, picking up all our work, you know, collecting it, ready to give it back to her. And I find this print of Patrick Swayze in a leotard doing a ballet pose in a wheat field in black and white. If you can imagine, it was pretty amazing and ridiculous, but uh, one of my regrets is not buying that photo just because it's almost a meme. <laughs> Here I am thinking that you're going you're gonna to tell me that one of my regrets is to, you know, I, I, I wish we had not cut off this relationship with this woman. Uh, she, she she actually really was a good artist, and we were we went way too hard on her. And I I'm you know I hope that she's all right. And it's <laughs> well, who who but now who was it that this this print of Patrick Swayze who this belong to hers? Yeah, yeah, she was the photographer, and she did a lot of celebrity. She did a lot of like would John she, Lennon and Yoko. Would she have even sold it to you after you guys kicked her out? Do you think? I don't know, man, but like. It would be my most coveted possession right now if I had it right now. Patrick Swayze in a cornfield with leotards on? In a black leotard in a wheat field doing a ballet pose. <laughs> well, that does sound pretty hot, to be honest. All right. Well, thank you for the call, Matt. Anytime, man. Good talk. There you go. <laughs> That's the way it goes. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's take a really quick break. It is intermission time. There's going to be plenty of time for your calls again. I want to get back and get into your super chats. You can leave them right now at quite frankly superchat.com. Rumble rants, the gold pills on on Foxhole that is on quite frankly TV, and uh, and and there's Rockfin tips. When we come back, I want to talk about. Obviously, all this is still on the table, but some insight from Colonel Doug McGregor on uh, the incoming Russian winter offensive. I pulled some clips from a recent talk he had with Michael Savage, and I would like to just listen to it with you and then open up the lines for the last run of the show. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frank
quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Going to coming on down for a landing soon. It's eight oh five. Eight oh five PM. Let's see. Oh man, you know what? Tomorrow's the last day of January and I'm going to miss I'm actually gonna miss these intermission dancers. Them thighs, man. You can bounce quarters off of them thighs. They probably all been all three of them probably been dead for twenty five years already. Anyway, still, great job while they were alive. That's all we can be remembered for, or hope to be remembered for. Great job. They did a good job. Tumbling around. And uh, maybe they come back. Anyway, uh, tomorrow, since it's tomorrow is the last day of, of the month, remember, I have got a little bit of something for you over here. I've got a... Uh, let me see. What the hell is it? Oh, this. That's right. This is for the giveaway. The giveaway tomorrow for all the monthly sponsors. You know, if you're a monthly sponsor, no matter what the the tier is, it could be as little as $2 a month through, quite frankly, TV. Everybody, if they're a monthly sponsor, gets automatically entered into a monthly giveaway. So tomorrow is the last day of January, and we're going to be giving away this. I have so much fun with this. It's a UFO drone. I have I bought about four of these over the last couple of months. Aurora loves it. You charge it for a couple of minutes. You throw it up into the air. It just floats around. It's got sensors, so if you put your hand by it, it'll fly away the other way. You, underneath it, it'll fly up to the ceiling. It comes down. It floats around for like 20 minutes, and then it just you got to charge it again. But it is so fun. It really is. So I'm going to be sending this out. Sending this out to a lucky winner. Be able to have a, a UFO drone flying around your living room. That's what we got going on. All right, um, let's see, let's see, let's go into the Super Chats. Silky Johnson says, Frank, I remember you mentioning dreams last week. I can't remember ever having a dream that foretold an event in my life. However, when I was in rehab, a friend I made there, uh, his name was Chops, told me my grandpa visited him visited him in his dreams i never mentioned grandpa to him did he give you exact descriptors and all that stuff because that'd be crazy that'd be nuts stow stoops is great monday show frank thank you stow stoop ben allen herferberger says frank whatever happened to all the funny named super chatters wait ben ben allen herferberger Herferberger, that's not one of my... Whatever happened to all the funny names, Super Chatters, I miss them. I don't know. I, I still get a few. Hugh, uh, Hugh Janus is out there. People like that. I don't know where Painful Rectal Itch has been. But, you know, they'll come back eventually, I'm sure. To everything, turn, turn, turn. 
Cody Ross says he can't handle New York Times using high crime area, but then blatantly calls the area poor, which is way worse. I know, they're nuts. Don't expect to find any kind of reason there. Cody Ross says again, uh, the guy is so sensitive about New York Times. Oh, well, same thing. You said the same thing twice, Cody. Thank you for that. It's great to have you out there. I just wanted to make sure you knew that it went through. All right, we got a couple of rumble rants. Dagny says, every part of your show is perfect, Frank. Your talent and mad skills amaze me. I'm so grateful uh, you use your powers for good. Me too. I'm happy that I use it for good. I think I'm doing good. It feels good. I just hope that doesn't get corrupted in some way. You know? Like, uh, what's his name? Like like Two-Face from from Batman. He was a good guy. Then somebody threw acid in his face and he went nuts. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. It's good or nothing. Uh, Cat Sky D says, I think Trump should tweet simple for our entertainment. If it shoots him in the foot and DeSantis wins the primary, that's okay with me either way. DeSantis would never... Listen, I, I have been a big admirer of, of Ron DeSantis as, as a Florida governor from afar, as someone who doesn't have anybody that I would consider a competent anything over here. Nothing is competent. But let's be honest. He's not going to hold a flame... There's no there's no name recognition like with Donald Trump. He would not hold a flame to Trump in the primaries or anything else. It would just wouldn't happen. And I really hope that there's not a, a prolonged fight between the two, because as I, I I mean, what do you expect to come of 2024 when Pennsylvania has gone the way it has and Arizona has gone the way it has and Georgia is still a mess? And I I don't know how what, what the pathway to victory could actually be. Then what has been changed? Maybe we can start taking account uh, of that later on in 2023. Maybe later in the year. We can start taking an account of, as we're pre- preparing for 2024, what can we look forward to and what is on the table and what has been done that may have just slipped by us? Because aside from that, we know that there's plenty to be done locally. There's plenty to be done you know, in our houses and in our communities. And if that is bad, you always have the option to move, which you should consider. I've been considering for a long time. Plans have been set. But, um, but yeah, I still, I, I feel silly even talking about 2024, knowing that it's really, what the fuck's the point? What the hell's the point? Still, yes, should get on Twitter. Uh, Christo, what is it? Christoa says Trump needs to go. Go? Like, just leave? He needs to go? So Christoa says that Trump should get out of here. You're bothering Christoa, Trump. Get the hell out. All right, let's go over to Foxhole. 24-7 spin. It says Mondays go better with Quite Frankly. Youper Viking says the multiple streams are due to your show being twice as good. My mom says your show is her after chores treat. Oh, Youper, by the way, I understand now. You're a girl. I was just a little bit, uh, I was a little bit, uh, I don't know, 
a little bit slow last week when you said that your mom was laughing because uh, I called you her son. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, was she disown you or something? I realized, oh, you're her daughter. That's why. So I put it together and said my best to mom. I hope she's doing well. Delona, thank you so much, Delona. Wonderful. Rising Patriot, thank you. Youper again. Frickin' Finlanders. It's because they partake in... I don't know how to say that. Kalasar Kanit. Whatever that is. Wild 200X. I did laugh. Am I a turd? You are right, though. It's mostly sad. That was very sad. The figure skating was very sad to me. I mean, I hung my head. And I, I, may, I might have just had a... I don't know. I don't know what the, exp- the expression was. But that was very sad. On their far, on their part, angering in other parts, like how dare, like like what you think we're dumb, and they brought back the sideshow that they say they say was the worst, the most inhumane thing that could be done to people to put people in human zoos and all that stuff. And look what they're doing to children, and to mentally, mentally, uh, you know, confu- emotionally confused people. It's fucked up. Putting them on drugs, parading them around. Telling them, oh, it's it's brave, it's courageous, keep doing it. Yeah, no, keep doing it, and we're going to put you on television. It's like a sick joke. It's like a sick joke, but it's a, it's a, it's weaponized. They probably have a laugh, too, themselves. Witchy-poo, thank you for the cookie. Thank you. And now here comes a, a cookie fight between everybody. Uper Viking, C. Blanche. Uh, Mad Pill, in memory of Nikki's cat, Godspeed and God bless. Nikki, did, did she lose a cat? I'm very sorry to hear that, if so. Very sorry to hear that, Nikki. Hope all is well. Bob says Trump should use every platform available to him. Agreed. What's the point? There must be a grand plan, a coming out party. Boys Blanc, thank you. Pod Hermit, Sean Joe. Uh, what else we have? Uh, Squickly says, don't breathe oxygen anymore. That's racist. Uh, I can't say that word black either. That's extra racist. Frank, I caught Friday's replay and the frequency talks on network were great too. What happened with Astroworld? Um, what happened with Astroworld? You mean the, the concert? I don't know. I do not know. Uh, Swickley then says, Frank, you're a patient man. That call was amazing. I think you got a, I think you got Rick rolled. What, which one? The, from Matt from Montana and the, I know, I, I know Matt too long. F- through the calls, I mean. I don't think he Rick rolled me, but that went to a place I didn't. He's like, you know, regrets. He didn't regret firing and kicking the girl out of their studio. He just regret not buying her uh, her print of Patrick Swayze and a leotard. Well, that reminds me, I have to go to an art an art gallery soon and, and get a few things framed for in here. Let's see here. Robert Sarn says, on behalf of the black guy, Hispanic audience, I recommend quite frankly. And then again, Youper says Kalasarikanet means day drinking alone in your underwear. Kalsarikanet. Kalsarikanet. I don't know how to say it, but at least I know what it is. All right. Uh, dear Frank, 
can I please wish a big birthday wish to my amazing lady and a big fan of your show, Anastasia. You are my soulmate, now and forever, the most beautiful person and the most amazing mom. Well done. Now it's your birthday and you deserve the world. And that is from Jeff. Anastasia, here this is from Jeff, from Becky, and your beautiful children, Marnie, Reese, and Maury. So that one is for Anastasia. Good for you. Another year, and I'm glad that you're hanging out with us. All right, a few more things, and I would like to get uh, your calls in, and then we'll get to all the Russia stuff. So keep the calls coming. I have one or two more messages here for me. Hi, Frank. Wanted to ask you to say, oh, okay. This is from Chris from Chris France from the UK. He's called in before. Uh, hi, Frank. I wanted to ask you to say a small prayer for me tonight. I'm having a delicate procedure, an angiogram, to try to re-stent an old blocked-up stent from 2000, uh, 2005. It's on my left side, inner iliac. It does not go well, and it can't be done. I'll have to have very major surgery. And uh, so... Everybody, Chris France, you might know him if you hang out in the Discord, as asking for some of your prayers and to include him on your, your prayers tonight. And I hope that we hear from him tomorrow and everything went well. All right. And, uh, it's, oh, and then also I had someone ask me over here. This is Brian. Said, Frank, do you think that, uh, that they're... What was this? Frank, do you retract any of the things that you said about about the Nancy Pelosi thing. And he wasn't saying this in a, in a, like a, go ahead and apologize kind of a way. We were talking. And I said, you know, I got to bring this up. Um, no, I don't. Uh, but first, let me just say that the videos were shown. They reflect much of the, uh, the official story. I mean, I always said until we had more information, I was going to assume that this was some kind of a sexual liaison gone sideways. And there's the, st the jury is still out on a lot of things here. All right, a lot of weirdness still in this, and but a lot of what, a lot of what we saw in the videos just it reflects a lot of the official story, and I can see how the uh, the strangeness of opening the door unless there's somebody behind the door, or if it's an automatic door that goes all the way, the strangeness could just be the the kind of disheveled nature somebody would be in if they were pulled out of bed because they heard somebody smashing in their back window. I don't know, but as far as apologies go, absolutely not. No way. It. I would never fucking apologize for something like that, for thinking and assuming something like that. Fucking never. It took minutes, mere minutes, before that entire story became about right-wing terrorism and Donald Trump. And it always is that way. It was the same with knee-jerk nonsense uh, that, that, that misdiagnoses acts of violence in places like that gay club in Colorado. No apologies were made there. To hell with them. I mean, the, the same vipers who engaged in in biased decision-making when it comes to um, anointing certain tragedies with hysterical coverage and then, and then rewarding other tragedies with complete radio silence, the nerve of them to ask for apologies for anything, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what I assumed, okay? So, not going to apologize. Still not sold on anything, to be honest, from what we were seeing. That uh, 911 call is very strange, too, but again... It could be a guy who doesn't want to say too much to anger the hulking meth addict that's in his house, who knows how they know each other beforehand, how they know the schematics of the of the property, whatever the hell's going on there, where the hell the security was. 
So not going to apologize for making a personal assumption about anything when it comes to a class of people who are known drunks and liars and stock manipulators and then some. Just putting that out there. We can move on to something else. Um, all right, let's take a call. 412, you're on the air. It's Monday night. What's going on? Hi, here's a weird dream for you. Okay. I dreamt I was at a, a very bizarre, uh, very decadent party that I was kind of a newbie invited to go with all these celebrities, and I was all excited. Uh-huh. I just went to hell. Went to hell really fast, and somebody took a spider egg and burst it down my back, and then, um, oh, God, what's his name? Um, the guy who did the Campbell Soup cans. Oh, what the hell? I'm having well, a Andy Warhol? Yes, Andy Warhol was there, and he came over, and he threw up all over me, and he threw up all over me repeatedly, and I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here, <laughs> and, I, and I was a, in the dream, I was a young girl, and I'm like, this is just bizarre, so I went in, I worked at a bank at the time, and I went in, and I'm like, man, I had the weirdest dream last night, and I was telling people the dream, and they brought me the newspaper. He died that night. Andy Warhol? Yeah. So, so okay, so you're remembering a dream from, ba- what, what year is this? I can't remember right now, but oh, it, I, I mean, it was when, it was the day after Andy Warhol died. I came into the office and said, damn, I had the weirdest nut dream last night. And He died in 1987. threw up all over me. 1987. He threw up all over me. Yeah, and I, and I was working at the bank, and I didn't, you know, this was just very weird, and I came in and I, told people, man, I don't even know where the hell this stuff comes from. This is the weirdest dream I've ever had. And about the, somebody crunched, the grossest thing was the spider egg and all these little baby spiders ran all over my body. I'm like, these people are sick. And then Andy Warhol came over, put his arm around me and puked all over me. Well, let me ask you, what do, do you, do I any chance, do you by any chance remember what you were doing the night before, what you were watching, reading? I mean, why do you think, does your mind? No, he hadn't. He hadn't, no, I don't think of Andy Warhol. Like, I mean, I, he wasn't in my awareness whatsoever. Like, it was just so out of the blue. I'm like, where the hell does this stuff come from? Now, I do have to confess, I have weird dreams all the time. I mean, okay. but not this. This was That's this what was I was going to ask you. One. And then when they brought me the paper, and it was announced that he died, um that night you know what I mean he he had just died and coincidentally had that weird dream that he's puking all over me well have you uh, okay so have you been able the last question before we go have you ever had a prophetic dream that actually translated into I don't know I mean something that you that some kind of actionable intelligence when you woke up I have them. My um, my whole family. My brother's clairvoyant. He saw a friend of ours get killed. Um, like there's weirdness in our family. Um, so it's not that off the wall for me. But uh-huh. um, but it, you know, okay. Andy Warhol is not somebody who's ever in my awareness. Well, like, I get, hey, just, he got there somehow. But thank you for the call. That's a very interesting dream right there. And you should get the get dreams like that, ladies and gentlemen, into. The, oh, it's not a weird dream repository. It's a recurring dream repository. So if she was having the Andy Horhall, Andy Horhall uh, vomit dream semi-regularly, then I would say that was thread-worthy. But that's odd. 
Well, all right. Eight, what is this, 824? Let's get started with this. I want to jump into this because uh, you can't ignore this. It's stuff that is ramping up. Here's from Yahoo today. Zelensky, Ukraine needs more weapons faster, he says. So again, Ukraine needs a whole new army all over again. Just a couple of months later, a couple of weeks later, Ukraine needs more weapons and faster deliveries to confront a very tough situation of constant attacks by Russian forces who I thought were just getting decimated, who are being led into the ground by a a crazy cancer-ridden fool who's desperate to do anything because he's losing constantly, says uh, everybody about Putin. Confronts a very tough situation, constant attacks by Russian forces in the eastern Donetsk region. President Zelensky said on Sunday, the situation is very tough. Bakhmut, uh, uh, Volodar, and other sectors in Donetsk region, they are constant Russian attacks. There's a constant attempt to break through our defenses. Now, apparently, this whole region was is securely in Russia's Russia's grasp right now, in their control. We're going to get to Colonel McGregor in just a second. Russia wants a war to drag on and exhaust our forces, so we have to make time our weapon. We have to speed up events, speed up supplies, and open up new weapons options for Ukraine. You, There is no... There's nothing... Exhaust our forces. There's nothing left. All that there is is whatever we've sent there, the waves of things. The general staff of Ukraine's army forces said earlier on Sunday its forces repelled an attack near uh, Bladoni, Bladotny, in the eastern part of the Donetsk region, while Russia's Wagner, or Wagner private military group said it would take control of the village. Well... There you go. Give us more stuff. Then you have the sun promising you once again. Putin is mobilizing 200,000 troops for a new invasion to topple Ukraine, and he won't stop, warns NATO chief. It's actually, what I've read, 300,000 troops. And this is not a desperate gambit. It's been meticulous. It's been just the way it's been. But we're getting led into hell right now. Boris Johnson says that Putin threatened to target him with a missile attack. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, let's just get around to this this listening of the evening. I want to get there. This is from Douglas McGregor's, I guess, official YouTube channel. I'm glad I found it a while ago because every time that he's, he posts something, I am all ears. I tried to get him on this show, and uh, I wasn't able to make it happen. So not big time enough. Here is, let's see, a little something on the 300,000 combat troops that they are talking about and the incoming winter offensive. So I want to go to the, I think this is the six-minute mark. We're going to start from six minutes and go to when the music plays. Here we go. So here he is on with Michael Savage. As to crush what remains west of the Dnieper River. The, the city of Bakhmut that you just mentioned, center of fighting in recent weeks. Uh, who's in charge? Because Zelensky had the nerve to lie, I think, yesterday or the day before and say they're, they're still fighting there and uh, the Russians haven't taken it. Do you know what the truth is? Oh, yes, it's in Russian hands. Uh, the Ukrainians have 
lied repeatedly all through this business from the very beginning. I mean, they, this whole notion of you just give us a few more tanks and guns and we can win. Again, it's back to what we were talking about earlier. What are the fundamentals? And the fundamentals are bad. You don't train people overnight to do lots of complex things. And you introduce several different sets of equipment to different organizations, and it's very difficult to maintain those. And again, you haven't trained on these for very long. Somebody said, well, it doesn't take that long to learn how to operate a tank. And I spent, I was on virtually every tank that the U.S. Army ever produced. And I would say, yes, that's probably true. You could, you could train somebody in a few days, but that doesn't teach them how to employ it. It doesn't teach them how to maintain it effectively. It doesn't teach them a whole range of tasks that come with the package. And that's the problem. It's back to the uh, ADA, the air defense business. Uh, how much can you reasonably accomplish? And again, that goes back to something else that you brought up, <coughs> Excuse me, which is, are we going to send Western, quote unquote, contractors or Western soldiers to operate some of these things? Because the Ukrainians simply can't pick it up that quickly. That's what I was asking. That's what I was asking. That when you when that that's very public stuff right there. We're not going to send these tanks. Pentagon says, no, we're not going to send these tanks. Um, it's a lot of very, very highly classified stuff, even in the armor, as we saw from as we learned from some of our wonderfully specialized members of the audience. But when you see that the Pentagon's saying no for months and then all of a sudden says, okay, yeah, we'll send it. And they're saying no because they do not believe that anybody over there that is is employed by Ukraine's army at the at the time will be able to use it effectively. What has changed? Or who has been assigned the task of of operating these things? I don't know. I remember in the early days of the uh, Vietnam War, there were rumors that uh, Chinese were sending Chinese. Okay, so that's, uh, that is, now we're going to the 843 mark. This is making, here's comments about Biden and other White House officials making all or nothing statements about where this is all going and, and the, the danger of that. And I would By the way, I have this on 1.25 speed, just so that we're, I'll, 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 I'll bring it down to normal. Who the hell cares? We're just hanging out anyway. All right, here we go. You, most of our political leaders, cabinet members, have made a lot of very ill-considered ill statements. <laughs> and you continue to hear this nonsense. Until Putin is gone, there, there can be no peace, you know. Until uh, <clears throat> they agree to evacuate every single inch of so-called Ukrainian soil... And we all know historically that most of what they've got out there in eastern Ukraine was never Ukrainian uh, until they until they get out of Crimea, all this sort of business. When you when you make these foolish pronouncements and it becomes increasingly difficult to retreat from them, mm. when it when it becomes obvious that you can never attain those goals, that's impossible. I mean, that what where the Russians are right now, they're not giving up. And the people that the people that lived there were overwhelmingly Russians. They're not, they're not backing out, and now you're asking them to essentially depose their leader in the Kremlin? It, it's all nonsense. Well, wait a minute. I thought he was dying of cancer six months ago. Yeah, he well, dying of cancer. He was insane. He had Parkinson's disease with arrows in the New York Post showing the shaking hand holding onto the <laughs> desk. Uh, every other day, there's another rumor about Putin that I don't believe a word of. Well, look, just just keep something else in mind. We keep talking about them running out of ammunition. Right now, the Russians can fire 60,000 rounds of artillery every day. What? 60,000 rounds. That includes rockets, missiles, hard shell ammunition. 
every day. The most that the Ukrainians can fire on a daily basis is about 6,000. And that's one of the reasons we just removed the 155 millimeter stocks that are in Israel with the goal of sending them to Ukraine. Mm. And uh, some of my Israeli friends are uncomfortable with that. But uh, as Netanyahu pointed out, he's correct. That's our property. We can do with it what we want. You mean now that we've given it to them, they can do what they want with it? No, no, no. That the, the, the 155 ammunition on the ground in Israel is American property. Well, well, but we sent it to Israel, didn't we? Yeah, but for our use, potentially. In Israel? Yes, in the event that it was a serious emergency and Israel was con- confronting an existential threat. And then we get to this shit. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, we're already responsible for what has happened in Ukraine. How it got to this point, our meddling, our deep state investments, all that stuff. We're already responsible for that, for starting it. And now we are playing for, you know, in this this broad, shitty Broadway production for the world, we are playing the, um, the, the selfless, I don't know, angel investors for a ragtag group of freedom fighters out there in Ukraine who's just trying to keep their keep their homes intact from a larger evil empire that just wants land and that's it. So we're playing both sides of that coin over there, dragging us all into a, what is invariably a larger conflict that, that could have in, incredible death tolls. Can I mean, with the kind of weaponry, weaponry we have now, it can dwarf World War II just in that one area of the world. And... Um, and then we go into this where we're now we're pulling resources to help out the Ukrainians or to help ourselves out in Ukraine wearing Ukrainian uniforms and we're pulling from things that we were giving to to Israel. Now I know that we we give them a lot of of foreign aid in the um in the form of military equipment with their iron dome technology and all that other stuff but just to hear about it again how we have all these artilleries these artillery um uh setups and and um installations all over the place and it's not just to give the israelis more tools for their war chest it's for our use in israel if there's ever an existential threat that shows itself that we would be there using it on behalf of Israel to fight whatever that threat is, that we are just in every fucking country with weapons and with, if it's not us, then it's people we've trained. It's something we've smuggled in. It is just such a mess. There is no fixing any of this. The, the, the more you realize how entangled everybody is, the more it's, it almost seems logical that this could only end in tears. It could only end in tears. We stockpiled ammunition there with the goal of rapidly reinforcing. And that's where it comes from. So you've got these huge stocks of ammunition, which we are now removing and, and sending to Ukraine. So and as I said, Netanyahu is right. He said, this is, this is American property. They can take it. Yeah, but it certainly makes them a little more vulnerable to, to their own uh, for their uh, for their own security purposes, doesn't it? Well, they certainly feel that way. But uh, you know, nevertheless, 
this is what's happened. And the reason is what I said, you have 6,000 rounds a day versus 60,000 on the Russian side. And remember that the majority of Russian artillery, and, and I'm talking about rocket artillery, tactical ballistic missiles, everything, the majority of it hasn't even been employed yet, doctor. Yeah, right. This is a, I think this is a point we should pause at. Now, this is what I was talking about, too. Um, from everything I've read, whether it be the Saker blog or directly from the MOD, that's the Russian defense, because you have to go looking for anything to counteract what is readily available for us over here in the States just to see what is going on. And from whatever, everything I have taken in and digested, I'm seeing that uh, Vladimir Putin is fighting this war with one hand tied behind his back, hopping on one leg. And for the most part, the reason why that we thought in in the early goings was because that they, there's probably a real uh, a, a real desire to minimize, though it's war. How are you going to do that? Minimize collateral damage of structures, peop, civilian uh, damage uh, and, and death. There's got to be something there because it's not just a a conquest mission or or anything. There's got to be something more. What we have seen thus far in the Russian offensive has been minimalist. Would that be an accurate statement? Yes. So when the winter offensive begins, as you say, in the next few weeks, between a 121 and 206, will it be, will it be tanks, artillery, aircraft? What will it be? Well, the Russians have an expression that we should embrace. They talk about all arms warfare. You're going to see attacks that in, involve the integration of everything. We talk about combined arms. That's really very limited. That's tanks, infantry, and some artillery. All arms includes everything from electronic warfare to tactical ballistic missiles to infantry fighting vehicles. I think you're going to see something that's very carefully scripted and rehearsed that will be devastating in its impact because the enemy they are attacking has been weakened fatally. And that's why I'm saying everybody in Washington privately has seen the truth. The truth is Ukraine is uh, scheduled for annihilation, and uh, but we're unwilling to negotiate. And we've made it very clear that, you know, you, the Russians have to accept public humiliation and defeat before we're willing to talk to them. So it's not gonna happen. Oh all. my God. And so, and again, think about that. Anybody who's just looking at this from a hating war, not being a warlike person yourself, uh, being disgusted by the, 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 the thought of people whose homes are being flattened and all this is going on out there, how we, 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 we were there from the beginning to make it so because people who don't have our best interest in mind had personal business interests of their own that they wanted to plant out there and build up and develop that turned into a larger conflict that turned into a lot of uh, a lot of betraying past agreements about what would go on at Russia's border at this former buffer zone of Ukraine and then to see the writing on the wall so early but not say anything and to keep pumping people's heads up with delusions of grandeur and, and victory to think of all of the stupid fucking idiots to my right, to my left, to the north, to the south of me who have these damn Ukrainian flags sun bleached 
They've been hanging outside of their houses for so long through every damn season. It's actually it's actually kind of ironic how after all this time, all the idiots in Rye and all the you know Greenwich and everybody around us and whatever that have all their Ukrainian flags out, the same one from, from March of 2022, it's almost bleached white at this point, which is kind of ironic because they should throw up the white flag and save some fucking lives. But the U.S. is saying no, no. The only way that this is going to end is if Putin gives all the land back and there will be no negotiating until then. Well, it's obvious they want everybody to die. They want everybody to die. I don't don't know why they don't just say, okay, stop, stop, let's just stop this. Save some face. Nobody thinks that the U.S. are tough guys anymore. They think that we are psychopathic ex-girlfriends. All right? We are, we are not the saving grace of the world like we were in 1941 anymore. The Yanks are coming. That's not it anymore. That's not it. Hasn't been that way in a long time. They want the Yanks to go home and to stay there. All we've done is have Russia rearm, Russia rebuild, Russia retrain, Russia build up a bigger army, and Russia learn how to use all of these integrated forces together. That's what we've achieved thus far. Yes. At the same time, we're saying we fear Russia doing to other nations what they've done to Ukraine, which I don't think uh, they intended to do. I don't think they wanted to take Poland and Romania and the Baltic countries. They're just nobody not- wants Poland. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> that's not fair. Uh, no, I'm serious. Especially the Russians, for God's sakes, that's the last place they want to go. Why? Because of what happened there last time. Oh, they just said, you know, there's a terrible history there. They're not fools. They know that. I mean, you you had uh, Putin more than once over the last ten years make the comment. I'm sure the Western Ukrainians would be a lot happier under Polish administration than under Russian. <laughs> and he's right. Now, I'm, I'm not sure, based upon my experience with Ukrainians growing up with them, that they'll be happy under anybody's administration other than their own. That's another subject. But uh, the, uh, my point is, no, he doesn't want that. And there's no evidence for that. War is a big expense. I don't want to quote the Godfather too much, but it's true. <laughs> so... That's what I wanted to bring on up because it's going to be a little bit different than what you hear elsewhere. Man, that would be great to have him on the show one day, but he does good enough work and he's readily available and I I like listening to it anyway. So, all right, um, let's open up some calls and we are done for the night. That's about everything. So you have thoughts about where we went sideways with the ideological paralysis in seeing how um you know there's there's people out there like Don Lemon and elsewise who are probably just so upset that there's not more that they can do with this tragedy this this brutal murder down in Memphis they're probably they're they're, they're probably upset there's not there's nothing more they can do with it um, and, and still the, those that are trying, it's just incredible how there's, there's, we're not allowed to be unified on anything. Then I asked whether or not it is, um, it is imperative, do you believe, that Donald Trump should start using his Twitter again? And then any kind of questions and thoughts that come up for you, especially if you are in the military and have seen combat and have been um, really watching the situation with Ukraine in Ukraine, 
play out. If you have anything to say about that, I just wanted to drop all those sound clips here just as a listening experience and and all that. So that's what we have. Lindsay's the first one up on the calls. What's going on, Lindsay? Hey, how you doing, Frank? I'm all right. Let me get you a speaker. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, no problem. Um, what do I want to tell you? Oh, a couple of things. Going back to the beginning of the show, talking about, um, I wanted to bring up the whole uh, when did we realize it went bad kind of thing within, you know, the country. Yeah. Morgan Freeman, I saw in 2016, early 2016, had this two-second clip, and a reporter asked him, you know, what what's the race, race issue here in the States? He said, we don't have a racist issue here. A year later, Morgan Freeman's on the, on the television. We have the worst race, racial issue going on in this country. I knew then and there we were all being taken for a ride. Oh, yeah. The I, biggest ride of our lives. I remember that. I remember that, that kind of that, that flip-flop. I don't know when the original the, the original interview was. Where and I forgot he yeah. was talking to and uh, he, but he was talking about Black History Month how he just rejects the idea That's of Black it. History Month my you know the history of, of of Black Americans should not be relegated to one month it's just American history it's just a a facet of American history let's just let's just you know let's just get addicted to history and then I did see that that he turned that that corner I don't know I don't know what changed for him or who put pressure on him or what. And it, that it, you know, little things like that kind of take the 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 wind out of the sails because you feel like you lost a, an ally in common sense. That is exactly right, exactly right. And and he, you know, the rose-colored glasses came off. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the you, so, you and, said it. I don't want to keep you. No, no, it's okay, Lindsay. <laughs> I know what you mean though, because there's so few out there. Um, I I have to watch. You know, I, I I have barely any interest in any new movies these days. I still watch them from time to time, but I I go back to all the classics and even the classics. I see some of these these now what we what I look to look at as just complete idiots in their younger, more vivacious, more uh, daring state. You know, they're a little bit more okay with just being uh, naturally who they are. They're not wearing too much of a sod, though. Although they're all performers, so whatever. It's just it's just sick to see people in in uh, more healthy states now. When you go back to old movies, you're like, oh god, what you would become is just detestable. Depending on who you're talking, a Robert De Niro film. He he's been in so many great films, and I have to suspend my disbelief. I have to put my my pride, my disbelief, everything at the door to watch a Robert De Niro film now, because it's just like, oh, you are so pathetic. So pathetic. Oh, painful rectal itch is back in the chat room. It says, you call my name, Francis? Yes. You came up. You came up. There's a couple of super chats on Rumble Rants. Larkstar says, no tweets from 45 until he needs a Trump card. I want to see the rest of the dirt first on Twitter. Loved the Saturday night show. But the Trump card, like, what, what would that be? Lark, what would that be? Uh, it's not, um, you're a declared candidate. You did that last year. 
2022. 2023 should be the year before a presidential election. That should be a major year for campaigning. Primaries really kick into gear. You start having all of those, uh, you know, it it starts off early 2024, Super Tuesday and all that stuff. So the time would be right now. I have no doubt whatsoever that he will start taking advantage of everything at his fingertips because you must. But I just wonder what the holdup is. All right, let's see here. Dagny says, Frank, Rumble Rant from Cat says, Hi, Frank, which streams would you prefer we share Super Chat on? Which, where did this come from? Which platform are you, you looking to grow the most? Which type of Super Chat do you get to keep? Um, I don't know how much Rumble takes. Uh, super, the, the, I think the most egregious Super Chat setup was YouTube. And I liked it. I, I don't know if you if you guys are you know old school. Well, I mean, not 2020 is old school. But prior to my permanent demonetization in April of 2020, I would always tell people, hey, listen, send if uh, you know send like a two dollar super chat or something like that, and then send, if you want to send me ten dollars, send two dollars to YouTube and just give me your little what you wanted to say, and then you can send the rest to PayPal where it's all you know direct and. I do all my taxes at the end of the year and shit like that because YouTube took, I think it was 30% off the top. And then depending on what state you're in and other kind of taxes and fees that go into it, it could be as much as 40%. So, I mean, there would be people who send, sometimes some people would send a $100 or $200 super chat. They weren't that common. But when they came, my heart kind of like dropped a little bit because I'm giving I, I'm giving $40 out of that $100 that people wanted to contribute to the show to Google, who hates us, you know? So we don't have that problem anymore. Um, but I, I don't know what Rumble takes, and it's really just up to you, whatever is most convenient. The Quite Frankly Superchat.com, that's from Stream Elements. They don't take that much at all, um, but I know that some people have a hard time using it, so I'll probably find something to replace that at some point. All you need to remember is the URL. I bought the URL so we could forward to whatever is the processor of the time. So, I don't know. I wouldn't worry too much about it. I wouldn't worry too much, but yeah. Thank you for your concern, Cat. And thumbs up, that's just across the board. Wherever you are, if there's a thumbs up button, please hit it. It's free. It takes a split second, and we're all good. All right. Anything else we have here? Nothing, nothing, nothing good. All right. Let's take another call. 931, you're on the air. What's going on, 931? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. How you been? Good. This is Ruben. Um, I want to comment about the Ukraine and I'm at Kroger looking for something to grill, so I'm just going to say my thoughts and then go back to listening. Okay. So I'm, I'm curious if this whole Ukraine thing is just a, a blackmailing Biden, and then does it somehow tie into all the equipment that we left behind in Iraq? So with that being said, great show, and I'll, I'll listen. Wow. Well, okay. Thank you, Ruben. Oh, wow. He, he, Thanks, I mean, it, it, I guess it could. Um, but what would the blackmail be about? Keep fighting or will something will something or something? If it meant World War Three, 
or World War Four, depending on what you think three was or is, if it meant the kind of destruction, wanton destruction that this could lead to, and Joe Biden is the only one that is being blackmailed. Like, I don't think that anybody, a deal would have been cut with Russia and they would have licked their wounds a long time ago, cut and run. The, you think about the average attention span of, the, of, of people out there, nobody would give a shit. It would have already been forgotten. The media would find some kind of way of finding, uh, finding out how to make it a moral victory. They would have already walked away. So I don't know if it's blackmail. If it is, it's not because of just Joe Biden because he is such a, a flushable wipe at this point. I, I would love to hear somebody else expand on that. If anybody else had given that any thought in the past and, uh, and, and think that there's something to it, I would love to see where your theories have led you to. I think that would be that would be cool. Uh, what was the second thing you said? Is it blackmail and um, I forgot the second thing. It'll come back to me when I don't need it. Good call, Ruben. Good call. Let's see what else comes in on it. Uh, let's see. Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. Let's take one more call and we're done for the night. This was a good one. Uh, Jennifer from North Carolina. What's up? Hi, let me mute you real quick here. Okay, how you doing, Frank? I'm doing well. So, what's your what's your main thought tonight? Okay, uh, the ammunition in Israel. I've never heard of us ever storing ammunition in another country, but I also noticed that they're not asking Social Security Administration, the IRS, Homeland Security for any of those billions of rounds that they stockpiled, right? Oh yeah, I know. Um, and also, I, I watch True News. They did a story, I want to say it was in the fall, about Big Israel. And it was actual news stories out of Israeli papers. I don't remember which two. But it kind of outed a plan that Ukraine was going to be the new homeland or whatever. And it was calling it Big Israel. And I noticed that, you know, Israel wants to give that ammunition, but they don't want their hands involved in it, right? And I think it's more to do with that story, but it's a very interesting story. Um, and I noticed right before Russia invaded, one of the last um, envoys to visit Ukraine was Israel. Well, well, so I mean, the, that out there. you don't you don't need to you don't need to dig. And thank you for the call, uh, Jennifer. You don't need to dig too deep to to see the the connection between Zelensky and and Mossad and and the state of Israel. And it's very hard to not find links from everybody, most everybody, to to Israel, too, at this point. You know, it's uh, that's just the way. I have I have a whole thing on that that I had put, put together just in case I ever needed it. I guess I can bring it out, but there, I mean, that that's just really it. CIA, Mossad, that, that was all part of the 2014 coup as well. It was a big thing. Big things, all big family. Big, nice, loving family. They hate us all. And, um, yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of big interests in the world, and it's like watch. If that's why, if you, if you understand the ebb and flow of how things go in, in Game of Thrones, that's really what it is. Lots of betrayal, strange bedfellows, people trying to help each other out, cashing in favors. It's, uh, 
That's the way I have seen the cookie crumbling more often than not. So, all right. Let's see. I think um, I think we're good. I think we're good for now. Tomorrow, another big day. I don't know what we have going on. I think there might be a chance that my libertarian roundtable that I had set up with Moonlit Matt and Max and um, and my buddy Ben, I think that might be moved to next week because I want all three of them on, and I think only two can, can arrive. So we either way, we'll be getting together at 7 o'clock. We have plenty of cool things that we can do, threads we can read through, calls we can take, and I hope that you've enjoyed your Monday night trendsetter for the week. So from now until then, you know where to find me. Hold on, we have some things. Tonight's Movie Monday, because that's happening right now on QuiteFrankly.tv. We're getting off. And now the After Hours begins there. Tonight's Movie Monday will feature three movies from the 80s that involve aliens, space, and adventure. So, pop some popcorn and enjoy the rest of your evening. That's what I hope for you. And I'll be in that chat room before you know it, checking in on everybody and probably watching the movies too. So, uh, thank you guys and gals. It's been great to have you here. And uh, tomorrow is another day. Thanks a lot. Nighty night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is Film Before a Live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with... Painful Rectal Itch, Silky Johnson, Stostube, Ben Allen Herferberger, and Cody Ross. Thank you guys and gals so much. Thank you to all my wonderful rubble, Rumble Ranters. Thank you to all of those who have been throwing gold pills our way. And then thank you to everybody who's hanging out on cozy little outcoves like Rockfin and on Theta. A lot more people watching on Theta these days. Look at that. Holy shit. <laughs> And then thank you to everybody who's on YouTube and on DLive and on Twitch and more coming in the following weeks. Go to quitefrankly.tv. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Good night.